Chapters seventeen to twenty of Rasselas, Prince of Abyssinia. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Martin Giessen. Rasselas, Prince of Abyssinia, by Samuel Johnson. Chapter seventeen. The prince associates with young men of spirit and gaiety. Rasselas rose next day, and resolved to begin his experiments upon life. "'Youth,' cried he, "'is the time of gladness. I will join myself to the young men whose only business is to gratify their desires, and whose time is all spent in a succession of enjoyments.' To such societies he was readily admitted but a few days brought him back weary and disgusted. Their mirth was without images, their laughter without motive, their pleasures were gross and sensual, in which the mind had no part, their conduct was at once wild and mean, they laughed at order and at law, but the frown of power dejected and the eye of wisdom abashed them. The prince soon concluded that he should never be happy in a course of life of which he was ashamed. He thought it unsuitable to a reasonable being to act without a plan, and to be sad or cheerful only by chance. Happiness, said he, must be something solid and permanent, without fear and without uncertainty but his young companions had gained so much of his regard by their frankness and courtesy that he could not leave them without warning and remonstrance my friends said he i have seriously considered our manners and our prospects and find that we have mistaken our own interest the first years of man must make provision for the last he that never thinks never can be wise perpetual levity must end in ignorance and intemperance though it may fire the spirits for an hour will make life short or miserable let us consider that youth is of no long duration and that in mature age when the enchantments of fancy shall cease and phantoms of delight dance no more about us we shall have no comforts but the esteem of wise men and the means of doing good let us therefore stop while to stop is in our power let us live as men who are some time to grow old and to whom it will be the most dreadful of all evils to count their past years by follies and to be reminded of their former luxuriance of health only by the maladies which riot has produced they stared a while in silence one upon another and at last drove him away by a general chorus of continued laughter the consciousness that his sentiments were just and his intention kind was scarcely sufficient to support him against the horror of derision but he recovered his tranquillity and pursued his search 
Chapter 18 The Prince Finds a Wise and Happy Man As he was one day walking in the street, he saw a spacious building, which all were by the open doors invited to enter. He followed the stream of people, and found it a hall or school of declamation, in which professors read lectures to their auditory. He fixed his eye upon a sage raised above the rest, who discoursed with great energy on the government of the passions. His look was venerable, his action graceful, his pronunciation clear, and his diction elegant. He showed with great strength of sentiment and variety of illustration that human nature is degraded and debased when the lower faculties predominate over the higher, that when fancy, the parent of passion, usurps the dominion of the mind, nothing ensues but the natural effect of unlawful government, perturbation and confusion that she betrays the fortresses of the intellect to rebels, and excites her children to sedition against their lawful sovereign. He compared reason to the sun, of which the light is constant, uniform and lasting, and fancy to a meteor, of bright but transitory lustre irregular in its motion, and delusive in its direction. He then communicated the various precepts given from time to time for the conquest of passion, and displayed the happiness of those who had obtained the important victory, after which man is no longer the slave of fear, nor the fool of hope, is no more emaciated by envy inflamed by anger, emasculated by tenderness, or depressed by grief, but walks on calmly through the tumults or privacies of life, as the sun pursues alike his course through the calm or the stormy sky. He enumerated many examples of heroes immovable by pain or pleasure, who looked with indifference on those modes or accidents to which the vulgar give the names of good and evil. He exhorted his hearers to lay aside their prejudices, and arm themselves against the shafts of malice or misfortune by invulnerable patience, concluding that this state only was happiness and that this happiness was in every one's power. Rasselas listened to him with the veneration due to the instructions of a superior being, and waiting for him at the door, humbly implored the liberty of visiting so great a master of true wisdom. The lecturer hesitated a moment, when Rasselas put a purse of gold into his hand, which he received with a mixture of joy and wonder. "'I have found,' said the prince, at his return to Imlac, "'a man who can teach all that is necessary to be known, "'who from the unshaken throne of rational fortitude "'looks down on the scenes of life changing beneath him. 
he speaks and attention watches his lips he reasons and conviction closes his periods this man shall be my future guide i will learn his doctrines and imitate his life be not too hasty said imlac to trust or to admire the teachers of morality they discourse like angels but they live like men rasselas who could not conceive how any man could reason so forcibly without feeling the cogency of his own arguments paid his visit in a few days and was denied admission he had now learned the power of money and made his way by a piece of gold to the inner apartment where he found the philosopher in a room half darkened with his eyes misty and his face pale sir said he you are come at a time when all human friendship is useless what i suffer cannot be remedied what i have lost cannot be supplied my daughter my only daughter from whose tenderness i expected all the comforts of my age died last night of a fever my views my purposes my hopes are at an end i am now a lonely being disunited from society sir said the prince mortality is an event by which a wise man can never be surprised we know that death is always near and it should therefore always be expected young man answered the philosopher you speak like one that has never felt the pangs of separation have you then forgot the precepts said rasselas which you so powerfully enforced has wisdom no strength to arm the heart against calamity consider that external things are naturally variable but truth and reason are always the same what comfort said the mourner can truth and reason afford me of what effect are they now but to tell me that my daughter will not be restored the prince whose humanity would not suffer him to insult misery with reproof went away convinced of the emptiness of rhetorical sounds and the inefficacy of polished periods and studied sentences chapter nineteen a glimpse of pastoral life he was still eager upon the same inquiry and having heard of a hermit that lived near the lowest cataract of the nile and filled the whole country with the fame of his sanctity resolved to visit his retreat and inquire whether that felicity which public life could not afford was to be found in solitude and whether a man whose age and virtue made him venerable could teach any peculiar art of shunning evils or enduring them imlac and the princess agreed to accompany him and after the necessary preparations they began their journey 
their way lay through the fields where shepherds tended their flocks and the lambs were playing upon the pasture this said the poet is the life which has been often celebrated for its innocence and quiet let us pass the heat of the day among the shepherds tents and know whether all our searches are not to terminate in pastoral simplicity the proposal pleased them and they induced the shepherds by small presents and familiar questions to tell the opinion of their own state they were so rude and ignorant so little able to compare the good with the evil of the occupation and so indistinct in their narratives and descriptions that very little could be learned from them but it was evident that their hearts were cankered with discontent that they considered themselves as condemned to labour for the luxury of the rich and looked up with stupid malevolence towards those that were placed above them the princess pronounced with vehemence that she would never suffer these envious savages to be her companions and that she should not soon be desirous of seeing any more specimens of rustic happiness but could not believe that all the accounts of primeval pleasures were fabulous and was in doubt whether life had anything that could be justly preferred to the placid gratification of fields and woods she hoped that the time would come when with a few virtuous and elegant companions she should gather flowers planted by her own hands fondle the lambs of her own ewe and listen without care among brooks and breezes to one of her maidens reading in the shade chapter twenty the danger of prosperity on the next day they continued their journey till the heat compelled them to look round for shelter at a small distance they saw a thick wood which they no sooner entered than they perceived that they were approaching the habitations of men the shrubs were diligently cut away to open walks where the shades were darkest the boughs of opposite trees were artificially interwoven seats of flowery turf were raised in vacant spaces and a rivulet that wantoned along the side of a winding path had its banks sometimes opened into small basins and its stream sometimes obstructed by little mounds of stone heaped together to increase its murmurs they passed slowly through the wood delighted with such unexpected accommodations and entertained each other with conjecturing what or who he could be that in those rude and unfrequented regions had leisure and art for such harmless luxury as they advanced they heard the sound of music and saw youths and virgins dancing in the grove and going still farther beheld a stately palace built upon a hill surrounded by woods the laws of eastern hospitality allowed them to enter 
and the master welcomed them like a man liberal and wealthy he was skilful enough in appearances soon to discern that they were no common guests and spread his table with magnificence the eloquence of imlac caught his attention and the lofty courtesy of the princess excited his respect when they offered to depart he entreated their stay and was the next day more unwilling to dismiss them than before they were easily persuaded to stop and civility grew up in time to freedom and confidence the prince now saw all the domestics cheerful and all the face of nature smiling round the place and could not forbear to hope that he should find here what he was seeking but when he was congratulating the master upon his possessions he answered with a sigh my condition has indeed the appearance of happiness but appearances are delusive my prosperity puts my life in danger the bassa of egypt is my enemy incensed only by my wealth and popularity i have been hitherto protected against him by the princes of the country but as the favour of the great is uncertain i know not how soon my defenders may be persuaded to share the plunder with the bassa i have sent my treasures into a distant country and upon the first alarm am prepared to follow them then will my enemies riot in my mansion and enjoy the gardens which i have planted they all joined in lamenting his danger and deprecating his exile and the princess was so much disturbed with the tumult of grief and indignation that she retired to her apartment they continued with their kind inviter a few days longer and then went to find the hermit end of chapter 20 Recording by Martin Giessen in Hazelmere, Surrey.